Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Escaville Files, a book analysis podcast where one diehard fan and one newbie start yet another podcast about Animorphs, the children's book series by K.A. Applegate. I'm Danielle, I use she or they pronouns, and you can find me on the internet at Talk 90 and my co-host is Jade. Hello, I'm Jade, I use they them pronouns, and you can find me most places on the internet at jade.sudrose. We'll be making our way through the books, one book at a time, analyzing the themes and how they stand up to time, and sharing the experience with our friends on Discord, the link to which you can find in the show notes. Today, we are talking about book 34, The Prophecy. Uh, it is a Cassie book. Uh, it was ghostwritten by Melinda Metz, who also did book 29, The Sickness. Uh, so someone who has previously gotten the characterization of Cassie pretty on point. Um, some book-specific content warnings before we dive into this one. Uh, for typical grossness towards the Hork-Bajir, uh, the Hork-Bajir feature very heavily in this one, and there are definitely several parts where they're treated very poorly. Um, yeah, a lot of the language isn't as bad as it has been in other books, but it's still the sort of infantilization that we've seen yeah. previously. So um as well as uh depersonalization and lack of agency slash mind control. Uh not by a Yerk, but by a different uh mind occupying entity. Uh that will come across very shortly into the book. Um but uh it, there are definitely some points where there is vying for control over your own body um, and also points of um, A, not being recognized within your own body as you and uh, of retreating away from control of your body. So. Well. I'll say as we jumped up, we're doing our little pre-mic go live, to give it its technical term. Uh, <laughs> just now, I found this book really strong for the most part. It's got a really good sci-fi premise. I think Melinda Metz continues to do a really good job of characterizing Cassie and what she brings to Cassie. I really like. Mm -hmm. I think so often we've encountered things where we don't get why Cassie is acting in a certain way or it feels very convenient. In mm -hmm. this, I feel like we get to see a lot of the facets of what make her very good at what she does in these stories, but also she feels very much like a teenage girl. Like she mm -hmm. has her own insecurities um, mm -hmm. and like questions herself quite a lot. Um, yeah, And that's a consistent thing we've seen with her, but it's nice to see it explored and have somebody able to reflect on that so closely who doesn't know her as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. It also has the return of a character who I don't like, but is compellingly written, I guess. Like, <laughs> it's not a failure of the writing that I don't like them. It's the writing being done because it's meant to be, I think. <laughs> uh, as we will unpack further. We also uh, have uh, an appearance again uh, by a species who, now I have seen the name written down, I feel more <laughs> comfortable in my ability to say it. Um, I say that now. Wait till we get there in actually going through the book. Um <laughs> But I, I'll say no. Uh, we see, uh, as Daniel already alluded to, there's a lot of Hawk Bajir stuff in this book. And we see the return of the Arn, um, who I like, find quite compelling, um, both from an alien design perspective and also their whole vibe. Like, they're not good people. Mm -hmm. I use the term good, you know. They're posit like what they have done is never, like, justified by the books. Uh, they yeah. created the Hawk-Bajir, like, genetically engineered the Hawk-Bajir to look after the planet. Mm -hmm. um, other than that, they leave them be for the most part. They just, like, set up a lot, a barrier of monsters so they wouldn't come nosing around. I'd 
dig the Hawk Bajir Chronicles. It was fun to get back to the to the home world. But um uh Rachel says some stuff to the Arn later in the book that feels very in character for her. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it seemed like Ellen, but the way she describes the Arn's relationship to the Hawk Bajir, while I think like from a perspective I get it, but I don't think it's a fair equivocation. Yeah. I think she's right to call it out as not a, I don't know, not an upright thing, or just like to call out the behavior as being less than mm-hmm. ideal, I guess, by any given set of standards. Yeah. But also, for all, just occurred to me as I'm saying this, for all like, the Arn will just sound like we created the Hawk Bajir to be incredibly good at what they do without the intelligence to question their existence. Yeah. But they're intelligent enough to like have fear and respect of things. Uh, because mm-hmm. I remember the seer thing is a uh, they didn't plan that, that was a thing that just happened, right? Am I Correct. That right? Yes. Yeah. But for all of that is made quite clear, the Arn don't like talk patronizingly about the Hawk-Bajir in the same way that the, quote, heroes do? Mm-hmm. At least not in this book. Well, it's not in this book, no. And maybe it's because this particular Arn has mellowed out some, or is, like, mm-hmm. in a desperate position. But mm-hmm. I suppose it's the difference between how they view the Hawk-Bajir generally, just like, yeah, these are... We created them, they are sapient beings what's your point because they view everybody as less that's a less intelligent yeah. than them which is everybody <laughs> as like uh-huh. mo- as as lower whereas yeah. when we hear the kids talk about the hawk such a like and these are their allies it's still like feels bad to read it yes mm-hmm. i don't care for it is my point yeah no, it's uh the kids continue to be gross about how they talk about the Hork Bajir. Uh mm-hmm. Axe in particular says some gross shit. Uh yeah, Axe is very uh, I feel like this is uh, Melinda Metz ain't a fan of the Andalites yeah. is the vibe I get reading this. Which you know yeah. pro that. Uh and it's interesting because I took a read on some of Axe's comments in a different light to how I think they're portrayed. Like, mm. we might as well, like, we're at the end of it. Like, we see the return in a way of Aldera. Aldera? Dara. Aldrea. Drea. The same letters. Yeah. That's a ter- don't make that excuse if you ever get somebody's name wrong, kids. Uh, <laughs> bad. Um, but we see her return and she was the, uh, and like we met in the Hawkbajir Chronicles, who, uh, Ciro's daughter, who chooses to become an Olethet, specifically a Hawkbajir, and stay on the Hawkbajir homeworld after like the murder of her family to help them fight against the Urks. Mm-hmm. And also because she fell in love. Which, you know, I'm a romantic, I feel this, but also like <laughs> she has a touch of, she has not lost uh-huh. her Andalite sensibilities at uh-huh. all. Uh-huh. And she's been like, I'm Hawk Bajir now. These are and she's like, mm, honey. Mm, mm, uh-huh. I mm, mm, I really dig Axon Aldrea's interactions in this book. Cause they're yeah. they are clearly portrayed in the text as very similar to each other, with yes. very similar instincts. Yes. And they do not like each other in that way mm-hmm. that when you see your own negative traits in other people, it can make you yes. feel really uncomfortable. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, oh no, that's, I'm like that, aren't I? Shit. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, well, yeah. and I do like the understanding that Aldrea isn't much or wasn't much older than the animal. Mm-hmm. She's probably like an older teenager, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. In the similar sort of age to presumably Lauren when she met Alfangor, like yeah but she has this attitude and i get like she's also like the state we meet her in 
isn't necessarily just like she's being a bit of a dick she's like i think i would be in that particular Mm -hmm. situation Mm -hmm. um it's but also like it is very in keeping with the characterization we saw of her in the first the first time we met in the Hawkbridge Chronicles. Mm-hmm. So and Axe having to deal with what is effectively like maybe an upperclassman <laughs> who's like, I'm better than you. <laughs> also like I it's like it's that kind of Aldrea has that attitude of somebody that went abroad for a gap year and just like, (laughs) I went and did like Doctors Without Borders. I'm a good person, actually. (laughs) Veganism is so much better for the planet than eating meat, guys. She has that energy. Oh my god, you're so right. Like, I think most of us have met somebody like Aldrea. It's like, she has very good intentions, but she hasn't unpacked her own baggage enough to see, like, she still acts uh-huh. in a lot of the same ways, even if she's coming at it from a better place. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Uh, in a way, like, it's one of those things, like, and this is, I suppose, why it's an interesting thing to put her in with Cassie, just mm-hmm. like who could, who is so ref- aware of her own behavior. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a good. I just think like we talk about Rachel weaponizing like her mall powers and stuff like that, and yeah, just yeah. I the AU where Aldrea ended up in Rachel's head is hilarious <laughs> to me because nothing would have gotten fucking done. Um, but the conversations would have been epic Uh it's just like oh I'm sorry your boyfriend was a different species to you not all of us have the option (laughs) to go like excuse you you my boyfriend's a bird (laughs) like you know I'm sorry I've ruined Danielle for the recording they're gone bye <laughs> but yeah, the, the Cassie is our focus point on Idra because nope. One, we obviously have the plot contributes like it wouldn't work with anyone else, right? Like narratively speaking, but it's very interesting to have like what we have seen of Idra and how she has both changed and not changed, mm-hmm. and seeing Cassie and Axe being foils for her. Mm-hmm. And she, in turn, being foils for them. Yeah. Like, holding up a mirror to the others. Because I loved Axe in this book. He was a little shit mm-hmm. in places. But I was like, yes, my autistic son, you go. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because Aldrea is mean to him. Mm-hmm. But of course, the Andalites abandoned her t- and her family to the Hawkbridge homeworld in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a little bit of misplaced anger, perhaps, there. <laughs> and I didn't have to bust out, like, some shit talking of Elfangor. <laughs> but you did. Didn't you? She's like, you're getting into a fight with a 13-year-old, love. You're meant to be more mature than this. <laughs> Uh-huh. I had a younger brother. You know how this shit goes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been a good comparison if it had been in the book. Oh, yeah. Her, her musing on that, that would have been mm-hmm. heartbreaking shit. Yeah. Um, but we should get into the specifics. We'll talk we more should. about how and why Aldrea is here. But we have truly one of the best cold <laughs> opens. So far. <laughs> I'm just going to give you the bare bones of what it is because we have Cassie giving us our usual uh, spiel. I do like, to be fair, I don't know who Jewel is. I don't remember Jewel, but uh, the fact that she name checks Brandy, we stand mm-hmm. the Rogers and Hammerstein Cinderella, yes we do, among our <laughs> other achievements, and Beck as like one named mm-hmm. uh, famous people. But I appreciate this with like somebody like a 13-year-old might yes. name check and there's some good 90s references in this. I've got to there say, are. by the way, Marco, prequel defender, Marco Animorphs is 
is here. Um, but I like love this because we have Cassie has entrusted Rachel as the only person that she can entrust with this life or death secret mission. <laughs> and we think it's going to, and uh, what this, they've got to sneak into a house. It's an old Victorian house, a single light burning in the window. It's painted like a horror movie. It's very good. Mm-hmm. Rachel goes into Cat Morph, uh, Cassie into Rat Morph um, to get in. And what we discover <laughs> after this beautifully described sneaking into this house, Sneaking their way upstairs. This is where Cassie's math teacher lives. Because she accidentally handed in a piece of paper with her test with Cassie Loves Jake on it. (laughs) And I just ascended. Because this is incredible. And Rachel feels exactly the same way. Because she's the one that sees it. And she is just like... um. And she's like, okay, okay, Cassie, what am I looking for? I guess like a doodle of a heart and she can't climb up onto the desk where Rachel is to get it. And it's just like, oh, yeah, this bit of paper that has a heart with Cassie, this uh, Cassie loves Jake with a really dorky Cupid drawn next to it. <laughs> and, um, and Cassie's like, yeah, no, I had to do it with my test. Just get it and don't say anything. Uh, nothing, nothing, not one word. And Rachel just is living because, like, grabs this piece of paper. Yeah, I won't say anything, especially not. Oh, isn't that sweet? And definitely not. Cassie is in love. Cassie is in love, and Cassie is just like, I have regrets. <laughs> um, but I love this so much. I love that we are now no longer at the hand wringing portion of using our powers for personal shit. I'm glad that's mm-hmm. gone. Mm-hmm. It's so far behind us. This is, I need you to uh, help me clear up this fuck up. Okay, <laughs> thanks. Um, and it's just incredibly funny and good. Just, and this is peak teenager. This is mm-hmm. dumb shit. And I like that we have obviously this establishing of uh, Cassie and Jake's relationship, especially like mm-hmm. we got to spend some time with Tobias and Rachel sort of reflecting on their relation and now we get uh cassie doing similar and the fact mm-hmm. that it's then held up as a comparison to uh Aldrea and uh duck mm-hmm. is obviously clearly important it's like she has this emotional connection to somebody mm-hmm. uh, and as we go into the next chapter um Cassie is berating herself for doing the stupid thing of handing in this piece of paper. It's like the teacher's not going to say anything. <laughs> Just, but yeah. like the mortifying ordeal of being known. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Especially as we know, I think that Cassie struggles with maths. I think has been addressed before. Like it's not. I think so. Yeah. One of her strong ones. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, and she freely admits, like she and Jake have never said the L word to each other that's what rachel calls it i just think of the spock pilgrim quote uh <laughs> scott it's time to bust out the l word lesbian no the other l word lesbians it's just like <laughs> yes here for it but cassie's also like she knows that jake loves her mm-hmm. and she knows he knows that she loves him and like there's this wonderful and this is a super emotionally mature thing so like they don't need to have said it right because they both know mm-hmm. she does however reflect like yeah because we felt that when we've kissed we don't go around groping each other but you know we've kissed like after we've managed to survive something horrible normally it's a i can't believe we're alive kiss not that I'm complaining. Well, not exactly. I have to admit it would be nice to kiss Jake after a movie instead of a ba- after a battle. <laughs> but, you know, getting the kisses in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have her flying home after this little uh, mission of extreme importance. <clears throat> and she sees uh, a hawk bajir is approaching... Um, the family barn, uh, home of many an animorphs meeting, as well as the wildlife rehabilitation center. 
and she goes full on into crisis mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that Hawk Bajir is here and the implications of that immediately start occurring to her. Um, and she starts like worst case, like catastrophizing in her head. Mm-hmm. And she just like shoves all that out. She's got to land. She's like, okay, I got to land, morph wolf, attack. No, no time. Um, wait, it's just one Hawk Bajir? Okay. And she prepares to dive. Uh, to do the, the move we've seen many at a time. Um, <laughs> the dive bomb, talent outstretched, blind your opponent maneuver. Mm-hmm. Um, and she dives down, ready to strike. And she cuts past the light, which is enough to cause a shadow that startles the Hawk Bajir. Um, and at the last moment, Cassie realizes, oh, wait. This is not an enemy hawk Bashir and like banks and uh crashes into the dirt. Um she's fine. Bit shooken up. And it's just like, Hi Jarahami, lovely <laughs> night for a walk. <laughs> it's just very good. Um mm-hmm. and we get the explanation of who Jarah is. Uh and Cassie having this moment of I almost blinded a friend of ours, like an ally, and how that makes her feel sick. Mm-hmm. Um, but also everything's being put back to right. There's no danger. She doesn't need to panic. It's fine. She could have done a bad thing, but she didn't. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Very fine. Totally fine. Totally fine. Um, and so it's like, hey, Jara, why are you here, buddy? We <laughs> get um, a little info about the Hawkbajur in their valley and how it's hidden. And how it's like the only safe place for the free Horbajur to be. Um, and Jara explains that Toby told him to go get the Animorphs. Um, and Cassie immediately, like finishing more, okay, what happened? And now it's panicking again. Mm-hmm. And Jara explains uh, that an alien has come to the valley. And Cassie's me like, the Yerks? Ah, bad. What did they attack you? What's the situation? And Jara explains, and I am skipping over any bits of dialogue or description of the Hawkbashir that make me feel gross. So, because bad. Um, But Jara explains that uh, it's an arm from the old world. And because Cassie was not privy to the story, uh, we get the clarification of uh, that the arm are the ones who made the Hawkbashir. Because I think it's just Tobias. <coughs> so presumably Tobias like passed on the story, but the whole premise of the Hawkbajir Chronicles, if you missed that one, or didn't get it, it's just like we spent a lot of time on the Hawkbajir home world and we like learned how they came into being. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, we do get confirmation that Tobias passed on the story to the others at some point. Um But uh Jera Jera tells Cassie, yeah, so Tobo- Toby told me to come get you. And so naturally, the next chapter, we cut to all of the Animorphs See? flying out to the Orkbajir Valley. Um, we get a uh, uh, wonderful... <laughs> I, Rachel just like, okay, so why is this arm here? What's he up to? And Marco's like, he had to come. Star Wars The Phantom Menace isn't coming out on DVD there for like two years. He buys up a bunch of copies here, <laughs> takes them home, makes a fortune. Good grief, Marco. You live science fiction. Why do you want to why do you want to watch science fiction? Don't be this this in TPF, Marco said. <laughs> cool is cool. <laughs> Which reminds me, like, for all people like to shit on the sequels, one, Phantom Menace is actually a fun movie. It is, yeah. Despite yeah, and also like it was made for younger people. Like mm-hmm. Marco is a like a thirteen year old. Yes, pod racing the shit. I'm a big fan. I haven't seen Phantom Menace in years, but I still think that pod racing scene is as cool as hell. It is very good. So. Yeah, yeah. And the final duel is very good. Very very it's good. It's good too. Right? Yes. Call out the shit that's there. Yes, George Lucas cannot write dialogue to save his life. Man's not good at it. But there's a lot to enjoy in those movies. So, mm-hmm. 
Um, but yes, so uh, Marco joking aside, we get the fun description of the kids flying and how it's a, a really nice vibe. Um, and Rachel is fully ready to uh, to fight at this point. It's just like, well, if you say if this aunt is here to, in her words, pick up some new slaves in the colony, he can forget it. The Arbogir are never going to be armed slaves again. We'll see to that. Yeah. And Cassie does clarify that um, the Arbogir were never slaves on their home planet. Um, that's not what they were designed by the Arn for. So, because yeah. the Arbogir uh, homeworld... There's some good. There's a little bit of info dumping about why there needs to be these massive trees because there was like a cataclysmic event um because mm-hmm. uh, there's not much atmosphere on the planet so there needs to be a lot of trees for oxygen and they didn't want to have to take care of the trees mm-hmm. so they created they used their genetic engineering skills to design creatures that would eat the tree bark and look after them right and that and the you live their lives yes uh the urn did gross things with respect to the hork uh oh yeah <laughs> not not least quote-unquote designing them for low intelligence mm-hmm. which is like gives me the heebie-jeebies um but i think it's yeah. meant to like yeah we as even as, as i think as a as a, a young person reading this that would give you pause yeah we're like, we're never meant to see the Arn as sympathetic. Yeah. I mean, um, at the end of the day, the Arn are eugenicists. Mm-hmm. That's it. I mean, they tinker with their own genetics to to make sure that they couldn't be infested by Yerks, and they use their skills to create the Horbushir. I will say, I do love like the ideal pinnacle of genetics being weird, sexy moth alien. <laughs> this is this is the ideal you know <laughs> this is what women crave <laughs> I mean there's a reason I refer to them as sexy mothmen and it's Brian's fault because <laughs> the art is good but also just certain things stick with you in grey matter uh-huh. um. yeah uh, but yeah so they land in the valley and, um, uh, they are greeted by Toby. Uh, we get an explanation of what a seer is. Um, and Toby explains that she felt the need for the Animorphs' advice. Um, and... I do kind of like this moment here because Jake is like, we're flattered, but you don't need us. Um, he is respecting the autonomy that the hork colony has uh, expressed before. Um, we saw that with, uh, it was book 23 with the, when we learned that the hork were out rescuing other hork and uh, they had the rescue mission for, I believe, Beck. Um, and so I like that nod to Jake being like, you, you are all an independent unit and you are the leader of that unit. Like, I am not. I like that he doesn't assume leadership of the hork Um Yeah. I, I love that as it goes on, he has a couple of moments where he sort of starts sliding in to like uh-huh. thinking and and, the, and like he catches himself at one point, somebody else catches another, and it's like that's a really nice little bit of de- mm-hmm. a characterization detail to see. Um but Toby's like, Yeah, no, I do need you because Toby understands outsourcing. Please <laughs> learn from your allies, kids. Sometimes yes. it's okay. To get yeah. an outsider to help you. Uh, because yeah. she n- realizes that specifically she wants to have an Andalite's opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, we get this fun description of the Arn from Cassie. Firstly, the, the eyes, which are super glittery. Um, mm-hmm. 
but they're four legs, two elongated arms, and a pair of short wings, about half as tall as Axe, and a vibrant emerald green. And Cassie's like, okay, we're used to aliens, but this is a really alien alien. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think, and Cassie comments that he's all a stranger because she can sort of see, or feels like she can see this real sadness, mm-hmm. or what she recognises as sadness going on behind the eyes. And the aunt's just like, yeah, these are humans. I spent a day waiting in orbit learning langu- your languages. I do like there's the detail of languages mm-hmm. there. You have many interesting languages, but your biology is not at all remarkable, I'm afraid. Which is just... Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> two arms, two legs, a most unstable platform, and entirely lacking in physical innovation. <laughs> Simple bilateral symmetry for the most part. I mean, just like, yeah, good to meet you too. What are you up to? What do you want? And the arm's like, I am Arn. Yeah, we know about the Arn. We know about your species. Um, which comes from Tobias. And if uh, the Arn is surprised, shocked by being addressed by Bird, he doesn't show it. Uh, but the Arn introduces us. I am Quaffa Genevon. Um, and explains that um, the rest of the Arn are gone. That he is the last. Mm-hmm. Got some time lording up in here, which I approve <laughs> of. Yes. Um, but he explains that he is there because he has come to give the Hawkbeard a chance for freedom and rebirth and revenge against the Yerks. And that he has a plan that requires their assistance. And Rachel's just like, yeah, who's going to give them a shot against revenge against you? Uh, which mm-hmm. is just, Mwah. Um, Marco is shit-talking, and Coffin is just like, mm, I have very little time, humans. <laughs> um, and is aware that he's only going to live for another 412 more days. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a biological fact. Which acts, there are forces other than biology. <laughs> and his tail gives this twitch. Like, yes, well, an Andalite, charming as always. <laughs> well, love this. Um, but he had learned from an intercepted yet transmission that there's a free Hawk Bajir colony on Earth. And, um, he has risked everything to steal the ship and get from the Hawk Bajir homeworld to Earth. Uh, he's quick to reassure Jake after he jumps in that he found the colony by himself um, and he's looking to try and explain himself further and Rachel cuts him off just like <laughs> so what's the plan and I feel like the arm just hasn't dealt with teenagers before just like ah. <laughs> right well why I'm here uh, what he's seeking to do is collect samples of DNA from the Hobbiger here so he can then take the DNA samples back with him to create a new colony. Right. Uh, to it, he he says to regla- reclaim their home planet. Uh, not saying that it is also the Arn's home planet, but it's not really like the Arn can. Repo- well, actually, they probably could repopulate. They're geneticists. Uh, anyway. Um, anyway <laughs> but basically he's like yeah so I want to get this DNA and then take back the Hork-Bajir homeworld and the kids are like well you can't like just Hork-Bajir aren't gonna do that and he says well also there's some there's this hidden transport ship that has a whole bunch of like weapons uh, that Aldrea and Dak stole before they died um, and hid away so if we could get this new colony up and go up and running and also find this transport ship, then we would have a good standing to uh, begin a guerrilla war or restart the guerrilla war on the Hork-Bajir home planet to mm-hmm. retake it. Um, Jake and Marco are exchanging looks and Marco's like, yeah, no, it would be smart. Like that's another front that the Yerks then have to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, pulling the Yerks away from Earth and also away from the Andalites. And Cassie's the one's like, this isn't our fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're just here to advise. And Jake's like... Um, but uh, Toby says that she will do whatever she can to continue the work of Aldrea and, and Dakami. Mm-hmm. And that DNA is not a lot to ask for. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it's stressed that Toby is the great grandchild of Aldrea and Dak, um, who are heroes to the Hawkshire because they had led the battle against the Yerks and died as a part of the fight. Mm-hmm. But all the free Hawkshire agree mm-hmm. to uh, to give the DNA, which is pleasing for Quaffa Genovon. Mm-hmm. I'm just enjoying the fact that I now can say the name. I'm <laughs> like Daniel's been saying this name over on Dumb Kids for ages with such ease, and I'm like, how the fuck are they doing? This <laughs> like, oh, not so hard. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty phonetic, you know. It yeah, just... I was like, did, did they pull that name out of nowhere? Sure. Or a name? <laughs> no, they stole it. Yep. and rightly so. Stole it wholesale. <laughs> Good shit. Yeah, I think I think at the when I first introduced them in Dumb Kids, you you can hear me on the recording being like, "Oh, I got to find a name for this motherfucker." Uh, oh, I know a it, like, Yeah, and I was just like, "Should I use that?" <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna use that. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but Quavajinavon also reveals that he has something else. Uh, he has the Exilla of Aldrea. Um, the Exilla is her stored persona. He explains it as her brainwave patterns, her memories, her personality, her essence. Uh, so basically, Aldrea made a copy of her brain at some point before she died. Um, and that <clears throat> copy of herself can be uh put into a host body um to you know be a person again um kind of kind of like how a yerk would right um a lot of the ways that aldrea and cassie interact in this book because spoilers cassie becomes the host um uh is very reminiscent of a yerk in a host body as we have seen it. Um, and of course it, it has to be because like, like we, these parallels are important. And uh-huh. it, another reason it makes sense, like Aldrea is drawn to Cassie and she explains why later, but also Cassie has done this before mm-hmm. effectively. Like she is the only one that's had a remotely positive experience mm-hmm. being yugged. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Cassie has a great sense of foreboding when Quaffigenovon brings this up. Uh, Quaffigenovon says that basically they need a receptacle mind. Uh, the best kind of receptacle mind would be, uh, someone like Aldrea was. Someone strong, fierce, independent, presumably female, Horkbegir or Andalite, most likely. But I suppose she might gravitate towards a human if such a human female existed. Um, I like, I like the, once again, we get the, the slight head tilts to the, the trans Aldrea headcanon, um, <laughs> of, of, again, Aldrea not necessarily minding <laughs> if she were to inhabit a, hum- uh, a male body. Um, later we get, uh, cause Cassie morphs Jera Hami, um, and Aldrea's like, uh, finally, I was back in, like, my body. It's a male body, but who the fuck cares? <laughs> uh, um, but basically, sometimes, they all... Go ahead. I was just, sometimes I crave animals content written with the sort of more understanding or the greater understanding of gender that we have, mm-hmm. like, or that is part of the public understanding and in the conversation just because i would love to have the kids like reflect on that in ways that are interesting and good i would i would be really interested in reading an animorphs book that ka wrote now after their daughter has Mm. transitioned yeah Um, like mm, like the potential there like they know they know more now (laughs) give us just a short story i mean look how long these books are you were doing these in like a month Come on, the people, they are, will drop, the people will come. They are they are supposed to be writing something that's supposed to come out. I think it might come out this month or next month. 
but it, it's got end spoilers in it. So, uh, like I, I haven't talked about it much, but I'm just like over here vibrating. Like <laughs> I, I want to know. <laughs> <clears throat> um, but yeah, so, uh, basically they all come to the conclusion that probably Rachel or Toby would be the best receptacles for Aldrea's Exilla. Um, which makes sense given what we, it was just explained to us, the person we sort of know or have known Aldrea to be. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, there's a little bit of debate back and forth about like whether they should do this, but it's basically a foregone conclusion. Like they're gonna do this. Um, uh, they go to a cave, so it's a more confined space, presumably so that the Ixilla doesn't, like, fly away into the ether or something. Who the fuck knows? Um, <clears throat> and Axe brings up the very, uh, important question. Um, what if Aldrea doesn't want to leave the host after she helps us find where she stored this weapons transport? Is there a way to force her to leave? And the Arn's like, mm, no, she's gotta, she gotta choose to return to the the little vial of nothingness that she's in right now. Uh, and everyone's like, mm, that seems bad. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, but uh, everyone's basically like, I mean, in for a penny, in for a pound, I guess. We'll, we'll deal with that if it becomes a problem. Um, Be clear. We, as this goes on, and I genuinely, and this was never explicitly said throughout the text, as soon as Cassie gets a Hawk-Bajir morph, like, Aldrea could have just fucked off for two hours and gone no lither again mm-hmm. in Cassie's body. Mm-hmm. We could have had full Grand Theft Cassie. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is one of these fridge horror situations. Mm-hmm. And I feel, and I, it's sort of like hinted at that there's a possibility, but like, <clears throat> it's just very upsetting. Yeah. To consider. And the way Aldrea talks in places, mm-hmm. you th- she's probably considering the logistics of trying. Yeah. Frankly. Yeah. Uh I think I think it's very heavily uh foreshadowed mm. for the majority of this book that Aldrea is basically considering like, nah, I'm not gonna go back. This is I'm yeah, gonna take she, this body. <laughs> yeah, she walls herself away from Cassie a lot. Just like, mm, better not let her know that that's what I'm thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um You know Marco's thinking it. You oh, know yeah. my boy. The clear, the clear white line from A to B. Mm-hmm. That quote is doing the rounds on Tumblr right now. <laughs> just like that definition of ruthlessness, and I'm there, just like I know what that's from. <laughs> but it's very good to see it. Uh huh. Um. And I, I love this little interaction between Toby and Axe, um, because. Uh, basically there's, there's some considerable (sighs) Axe is like, what if she doesn't choose to release her hold? Um, and Toby to Axe is like, you only ask that because you don't trust Andrea because she basically turned her back on her culture and chose to become a Hork-Bajir, which she didn't. To be clear, she didn't exactly. She maybe would have anyway. Yeah. But she didn't make that choice herself. I do like that we we sort of glossed over it, but like, acts on finding out the full name of Aldrea, because I've just been saying Aldrea. Uh-huh. And like just like, oh yeah, Aldrea is going on failed. And then Axe is like, I'm sorry, serious? <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's very good. Um, but I can understand to Axe's mind, like, with Toby just like, okay, yeah, well, 
you're iffy about this because of this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also like, yeah, like, Aldrea has done this thing before. She has gone against what she's been told. And also, she's Ciro's daughter. Ciro is somebody who was known for going against instructions and doing what he thought best. Mm-hmm. I think having some fear that his daughter could be similarly inclined, having chosen the path she did, mm-hmm. regardless of how much her hand was forced by circumstances, I can understand Axe being so nervous. Mm-hmm. Also, it's not is it implied that this technology is got to be on tech, right? This Ixilia. I think it this is. Isn't, it's. It's got Otherwise, a similar. Otherwise, would know more about it. Yeah, it's definitely got a similar, um, like Aztec type hmm. language mm-hmm. mouthfeel, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Because <clears throat> the the ritual is called the Atafax Atafalxigal. Yeah, Atafalxigal. Um, it's the X's. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, but, um, but yeah, Axe voices his concern. Uh, Cassie muses on how she admires Aldrea's choice. Um, that Aldrea discovered that her own fellow Andalites had created a virus targeted to kill the Horkbegir. Um, and knew, realized that the Andalites knew they would lose the Horkbegir planet and that they had to take this possible weapon uh away from the yurks um and once aldrea learned of that she chose doc over her own people um and axe axe is like i'm only asking because it's a logical question which it is a logical question and toby (laughs) i did not mean to sound suspicious of my andalite friend toby said with no sincerity whatsoever (laughs) Like, yes, Toby, drag him. Uh, um, Toby is so good. I love her. We love Toby. She, she's. <laughs> I also like that she's got like this feels like some hanging out with Tobias energy. Yeah, why that? <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, basically, Rachel and Toby are like, yeah, you know, this is a risk we're willing to take. This is fine. Um, and Quaffigenovon starts the, uh, ceremony ritual thing to, uh, bring Aldrea's Ixal, um, to, uh, life again. Um, basically, uh, he calls on Aldrea, um, and then, uh, Cassie is like resonating with this, the, the liquid that is Aldrea, I guess. Um, <clears throat> and then she like falls forward and Quaffigenovon is like, Oh, look, a receptacle has been chosen. And Cassie's like, Me? Why me? That's not right. Um, and like Jake, Jake is like, No, no, do not care for this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Cassie agrees. Because there isn't really another option. Um, and at first it doesn't seem like anything has happened. Um, but eventually Cassie realizes that there is this wall in her mind. Uh, she she likens it to when you're taking a test and you totally blank on information that you know you know. But you just can't get to it. Um, and she's pretty sure that Aldrea is on the other side of that wall, but she can't get anything through it. Um, everyone is asking her questions and she's just like, everyone, please just shut up. I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to focus. Um, uh, eventually she brings up the Arn, uh, and Aldrea's anger at the Arn is enough to break through the wall. <laughs> um, which I fucking love. I love, <laughs> I love that it's just this anger at the Arn. Is you what been so you have been so pissed <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. Uh 
And uh, it takes some back and forth in order for them to come to, like, a, an equilibrium. Um, because at first they're basically, like, shouting at each other in Cassie's brain, um, which is painful for Cassie. Uh, but they learn how to communicate with each other. Aldrea learns how to use Cassie's eyes in order to see. Um, and then, uh, Cassie looks at Toby, um, and explains that this is Aldrea's great granddaughter. Um, and I love, I love this one moment here. I felt a strange desire to go and press my forehead against Toby's. It took me a moment to realize the desire was Aldrea's. And it's like, she just wants to give her great granddaughter a Horfugier kiss. It's very good. It's very good. Um, but then Aldrea snaps into like, all right, but what the fuck is happening? Where is Dak? Um, and, Cassie's like, do you remember storing your Ixilla? And <laughs> Andrea's like, yeah, I did agree to have my persona harvested, although I didn't think the Arn were really advanced enough to make a successful transplant. Uh, and then she realizes uh, that that is what must have happened. Like, that is why she's in the situation she's in right now. Um, and she realizes that that must mean that she is dead. Um... And it's a process. Yes. Um, we switch to Aldrea's perspective. We get a couple of chapters from Aldrea's perspective um, in this book. Um, and Aldrea asks after Dak, learns that he is dead, learns that his Ixilla was destroyed um, by a Yurk attack. So there is no reuniting her with Dak. Um, she learns that her son, Ciro, is also dead. That he was taken by the Yerks and died in captivity. Um, she learns this from Toby. Um, and the, the weight of Aldrea's grief is overwhelming. Um, but Toby explains that Ciro's son, Jera Hami, escaped with the help of the Animorphs and that Toby was born in freedom. Um, and she also, and Aldrea also learns that Toby is a seer. Um, and it's, <clears throat> my rebirth had brought me a pain that felt almost unbearable. My deck gone, my Ciro gone, but it had brought me a gift as well. The chance to know my great granddaughter. I wouldn't give that up for anything. Perhaps I would even see Toby's child one day. Um, tell her, her being Toby, that there is nothing she could ask of me that I would not give. And, uh, here is where I would like to take a quick break to talk about, uh, I understand why Cassie was chosen as the host for Aldrea. I understand both the Doyleist and Watsonian reasons for this. <laughs> um, like, obviously, it is Cassie's book. It makes the most sense for our POV character to be the one going through this. Um, from a Watsonian perspective, we learn uh, later that basically the, the reason given why Aldrea ch chose Cassie is because... On some level, Aldrea recognized that she needed a host who would fight back against her and keep her from lingering, right? From, from, stop her from fulfilling the temptation to steal a body, essentially. Um, and with, with the reasoning being that Cassie is, probably the only one out of the ones present who would be strong enough to fight back Aldrea in that way. Um, however, Toby is right there. Yeah. Um, 
And it feels bad to have all of this discussion about how much Aldrea misses being a hork and, like, misses her life as a hork and how much she connects with the hork culture, and how much she was kind of adopted into it. And, uh, like, this connection that she feels with her great-granddaughter, that it feels bad for her not to choose Toby. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, an ar- of course, an argument to be made that, like, if she had chosen Toby, would Toby have fought her off? Would Toby have just acquiesced to it because she has, like, a kind of understandable hero worship thing going on? But, like, it's it's almost denying Toby that character growth. Yeah. Of, like, realizing, of, of denying both of them that character growth, really. Because Aldrea does come to a realization towards the end of this book that, like, no, I need to, I need to give this up. Um, I am not truly here and this isn't my place anymore. Um, but like, it's denying Toby the chance to come to the realization that like, Toby, it's, this is Toby's war now, I guess. And like, Toby has the, the wisdom and strength and power to make a difference and doesn't need Aldrea in order to do that. <laughs> yeah, especially given the way the ending goes and involves Toby in it. Like, yeah. that would have had so much more impact if it had been a conversation between Aldrea and Toby. Like, yeah. I know you would let me stay. Yeah. But. Yeah. Um, It's, you know, I just, I don't like it. And it, it it feels like just yet another slight against the hork to me. Um, and, yeah, it just, Toby's right there. <laughs> uh, and even, you know... I do like the the journey that Cassie goes on through this book. Like, I like what we see of Aldrea and Cassie as... But Toby was right there. Right. But Toby was right there, and I would have liked to see that more. Mm. Yeah. Um. Like, like I was saying, I think, before we started, it's a, it feels like a wasted opportunity. Yes. Yeah. Which is something I feel comes up a lot reading Animorphs. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, there's something here that could have been really fascinating or this would have been so compelling or emotionally resonant. But for whatever reason, um, maybe it wasn't possible to do so. Maybe there wasn't time or maybe, like said, we needed a Cassie book. Mm-hmm. But, like... You could have had swapping perspectives. It could have been done. There are other books from perspectives that aren't the kids. Mm-hmm. I feel like this would have made a great Megamorphs novel. Oh, yeah. Much better than, like, the time-traveling shit <laughs> we get. <laughs> um, like, I feel like this would have been a really great Megamorphs novel. You would have been able to switch perspective. We would have been able to get Toby's perspective. Like, how great yeah. would that be? Um, mm-hmm. But instead, this is the story we have. And... I don't know. It just... I, I continue to feel salty that the hork aren't given the agency respect. and respect that they deserve. If you'd like to hear more about Danielle's feelings on the whole project, please listen to dumb kids playing here. <laughs> uh, me just trying to headcanon the Hork-Bajir into... <laughs> mm-hmm. 
in, into the, the respect and power that they deserve. Um, so they fill Aldrea in. Um, and Cassie can feel like Aldrea, uh, becoming very, uh, distrustful, getting angry at the Arn. Um, she, like, the Arn asks straight up, do you remember where the wet, where the weapons are? And Aldrea's like, no, uh, I don't know anything of any weapons. It must have occurred if it did occur after, like, after she did the Axilla. Um, and the Arn is like, well, the mind that found the hiding place, found it once, could find it again. Like, basically, like, you know where you would have hidden it. And Aldre is like, yeah, probably. Um, and so Quaffigenavon is just like, all right, well, then, uh, Aldrea. Good enough. Good enough. Uh, Aldrea, me, and I guess Cassie is coming. Um, <laughs> I suppose that would be three of us counting the receptacle. Like, fuck you. And Cassie does, like, rankle at this, but doesn't mm-hmm. say anything. And again, I know it's Cassie, it's Cassie's book, but again, we run into the unintended consequences and implications of it being the one black girl in the group. Yeah. That gets this depersonalization that, who's, uh, it's very, it's very, uh, get, get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. A, a mind going into a young, healthy body. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Hey, John Peel, you read this, this one animal book? <laughs> okay. It's not me trying to discredit John Peel's creativity and good writing abilities. I'm just yeah. trying to be funny. Um, but yeah, again, this is not clearly, I don't think, an intentional thing. But once again, it falling on this particular character to fulfill this role. Yeah. Especially with and how Quaffigenavon talks about her. Like, yeah. And I know he talks like that about everybody, but yeah. still. Yeah. Feels um, bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jake's like, if Cassie goes, we go. And Quaffigenavon says, but she is just a vessel, Quaffigenavon said with a sort of greasy smile. Why would hu- Why would you humans need to come? Because you think she's nothing but a vessel. That's why, Tobias said. Um, yes, Tobias, go on. <laughs> I mean, given the role that Cassie plays, like, let me be clear, Cassie is fucking incredible in this book. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. this opening stuff, she gets the real short end of the stick, but also, like, again, if Aldrea had chosen Toby, Cassie would still be getting to do the badass stuff uh-huh. she does in this mm-hmm. book. Because it's... um, I do like we get that recognition from Aldrea going on about just how good Cassie is at morphing. Yeah. We also get this slight comment that I noticed, which is like, Aldra, like, we don't use morphing that way. Yeah. And then it's just like, oh, well, you're fucking missing out. <laughs> like, and we've seen the movie, just like, oh, one of my favorite things about playing in this universe and reading the books is the creative way the kids use morphing. Mm-hmm. It's not just a weapon. And mm-hmm. it's not just a, okay, you become this other thing and use it. Mm-hmm. It's like the creativity that they bring to this. Cassie, especially with how good she is, and we get the hint at her ability to control the order stuff happens in yeah, and how useful that's going to be later. Mm-hmm. It's real cool. It is. Uh, it's very good.